Welcome, guys. This is In the Box with number eight. Number eight already. And we are privileged today to be joined by the man behind the bits, Gung Ho Bob. Bob, how are you? Not too bad at all, mate. Thank you very much. Not too bad. Good stuff. So, Bob, obviously a regular in the channel for the uh, lunchtime lives and also drops in on the down the locals as well. Um, you know the format is the five questions, the five important questions, with the fifth question being the five important attributes. Mm. We'll kick off, because it makes sense, we'll kick off with question number one. Mm. So, first question, Bob. What is your first real memory of football? Well, I'd put that down to um, when, when I was born in London, so I was uh, surrounded by football. Um, yeah. I think my first real memory would be uh, filling Football 82, the sticker book. Um, right, okay, yeah. And when I first discovered what football was, um, I liked the colours of the Watford badge, hence I, I wear them. They're all, they'll always be in the background, I, although I am a West Ham boy now. But, yeah, you know, Watford were the first team I ever discovered, um, you know, I never actually made it to any games because my mum and dad were always working, so I never got to see any, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah. Was that Watford? Was that back in the days of the likes of Kenny Jacket and Luther Blissett and John Barnes? I those would guys? imagine so. Around around the early eighties, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the likes of uh, there's other players that I remember now looking back, like. Uh, Gary Gary Penrice with his porno tash, you know that sort of thing. <laughs> Gary Penrice, striker. He ended up remember at Gary QPR. Penrice? Yeah, well, yes, yeah. I remember him at QPR because my time in the in football started sort of more late eighties, early nineties. So yeah, I would have been oh, yeah. eight or nine, sort of getting into it's a good it. era for football, like the late eighties. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, my the, my f first live game I remember is Villa beating Everton 6-2 on the big match live on ITV. Um, and it was a David Platt, Ian Olney, Ian Almondroyd, Ooh. Paul McGrath, Derek Mountfield, an absolute belter of a team. And that, that's kind of why the Villa are always my sort of my go-to Prem team when Reading aren't mm. there. But yeah. Um, I can remember a fair few Villa players from the past yeah. like Maybe yeah. a bit after that era, sort of Daly and Atkinson and Dean Saunders and all them. But yeah, so sort of the early to mid nineties era yeah. guys. Yeah, that'd be my villa memories. Yeah, Sean Teal and Paul McGrath still there at centre back. Yes, what a pairing! Right. What what a team! What a pairing indeed. <laughs> so first real memory was that the nineteen eighty two was it Panini still then? Yeah, I think that Panini still do it. Panini is still yeah, doing. Do. Yeah. Yeah, Panini, they, still do, they do all the sticker books. They do. They they have got a monopoly on it. I know other companies come out and try and bring other things out, but nothing ever beats Panini, does it? Let's be fair. 
nah, nothing will beat them. No, especially when you open up your packet and there's one of those glorious little shinies in there. It's like winning the golden oh. ticket on Willy Wonka, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Never had many in the swap pile. No, no, no. If you got a shiny, you didn't swap it. Irrelevant of no, no matter how many of them you had, you kept the shinies. You put they them on your school books. Exactly. They were, or they were your end of books bartering because people always wanted a shiny. If there was something you really wanted, hey, have a shiny. Mm. I'll take your rubbishy one. I need that. It's going to be my completer. <laughs> cool. There you go. So, question number two. What was, yes, the first, what was the first major international football tournament you remember? And what is it you remember most clearly? Standout has to be probably, in my opinion, the best ever World Cup, which was uh, Italia 90. All day long, I will stand by that. Italia yeah. 90 was amazing. Yeah. For all sorts of reasons. It was. It was definitely a tournament full of... I mean, now, legends. Legends yeah. of the game. I mean, I've, I've sort of... I've never really been what you might call a, a sort of hardcore fan of England. I've always had a soft spot for the Republic of Ireland and that. Yeah, and yeah. I know England did quite well at um, Italia 90, but for me, what, uh, I was on holiday for most of it with my mum and dad in um, uh, Crete, I think. Yeah. Um, and... I, the hotel we were staying in had a lot of Germans in there. Right, oh, so, yeah. At the age of around 15 years old at the time, or was it 14 or 15 I was, I was in the hotel bar, not disclosing my age, drinking ouzo, um, <laughs> and watching football with all the Germans, and it was amazing. And, you know, I mean, the Germans then were ruthless, like they are now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they won that one as well, didn't they? They beat Argentina in the final. That yeah, year. they did beat Argentina yes. in the final. Yes, and yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think although I only really have fleeting memories of Italia ninety, it was a tournament where, as I say, it was full of legends. You look at like other tournaments, and you can pick out key players from there. But then mm -hmm. you could pick mm -hmm. out key players from all of the countries. I mean, Absolutely. that German team had just, it was, it was covered. Before, before Beckham came to fruition um, in the early 90s, I think there was only one, uh, one or two players before him that were world-class. And one of those was Thomas Hessler, part of the uh, Italian 90 German side. He was yes. brilliant back then. Yeah, Hessler, um, you had Matthias as well. Yeah, you, you could reel off the German side, Lothar Matthias, Rudy Voller, Jürgen Klinsmann in his prime. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, back in the days of football transfers when they were small, when Alan Sugar rustled up £2 million to buy Klinsmann from Monaco, Spurs, that was one of the bargains in football for me. Yeah, absolutely. And what a fantastic first season, or well, only season, really. He came back on loan about four years later. What a yeah, fantastic he season he had at Spurs as well that that time. He bagged 20-odd goals, I think. And did, he, I remember... did he score a hat-trick or score one or two on his debut? Was it against Southampton or Man United or something? Right? Sheffield Wednesday. Or was it? I'm pretty sure it was Sheffield Wednesday and he went and dived, done the dive, didn't he, as his celebration? Where he slid yes, along the floor that. after being mocked for diving. About three or four of the other players joined in as well. That was really good. They did. Yes, yeah. that, but that was that was an unbelievable attacking 
ensemble at Spurs at the time. Defensively, yeah, not so great. But yeah, they had a very good attacking outfit at the time. Yeah. Cool. So Italian 90. So what was the one thing in that Italian 90? Obviously, was it was it being with all the Germans watching the game? Is that the standout moment for you? Or? Yeah, because it sort of got me into the sort of, you know, the, the being a fan and being the passion, finding the passion for the game. Yeah. You know, because the Germans were, well, fiercely patriotic, I guess. But yeah. You know, being part of them, and you know, some of them were saying you support Germany, and I said, well, I might as well do because I'm sat here with you. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I I had to keep that quiet when I got home, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. yes, yeah. I even went out and made my, I asked my mum and dad to get me a West German shirt because it had a pretty cool design at the time with the stripes going up and across and that. And I, yes. I used to have it. I was Excuse the, me, um... I lost it years ago, so. That was the the three colours, wasn't it? The red, uh, the three yellow, stripes. It went down in like a yeah, black, yeah, a V, and then it came up and went across. Yes, yeah, yeah, very nice kit. I'd like to see a sort of <laughs> modernised version of that. Yes, yeah, you, I've, I've seen I've seen them on eBay and things like that. I mean, they've never made it into the bad eBay boys because I really like the shirt. I think also mm. like the uh, the Dutch 80, 88 shirt is really nice as well. The orange with the. Patterns. I see you have a Dutch shirt there. I do. I have a Dennis Bergkamp shirt behind mm. us. That was uh, that was one. Uh, a number uh, the number eight, which is not known for uh, Dennis Bergkamp, but it was uh, mm. his '98 World Cup shirt. So, and then mm. we have behind that one the Tony Cruz one from the 2014 World Cup for Germany. So, Good choice. Yeah, and it's it's all the eights. It's, it's like I'm dodgily sponsoring some betting company. <laughs> 888.com yeah you are exactly yeah yeah you know, I, I, product I, placement exactly I'm, I'm waiting for them to contact me and uh, throw some cash our way um <laughs> cool so question number three so yeah. let's just double check yes okay cool so when you played bob what position hmm. did you play most regularly I tried all sorts. I mean, obviously, when I was playing, I was a hell of a lot thinner and fitter. But um, <laughs> I uh, I used to sort of sit in somewhere behind the strikers because I used to like creating. I mean, it was fun scoring goals, and I scored yeah. some decent ones. But I, I I like to be the creator, you know, and set them up and try and feed it through the defence, I guess. Yeah. Sort of a central attacking midfielder type roles, that sort of thing. Shadow striker, maybe I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, we I suppose you're you're a couple of years older, but not drastically. And I suppose we were quite lucky. No, I'm, we I'm three weeks, three weeks away from forty-five. Yeah, cool. So yeah, so I'm I'm forty-one. Uh so <laughs> I think we we were quite lucky that we grew up in an era where number tens were prevalent. Um absolutely because my my best role was when everybody started playing three at the back in sort of uh, mm. the the early 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 nineties maybe. I always it meant yeah. there was a spare man in midfield every time, so I was always that person. And uh, mm. and then I had to make a decision when people binned that off and started to revert back to four four twos. Am I a striker mm. or am I a midfielder? Don't fancy the pressure of being the striker and having to score all the time. Don't mm. fancy all the running of the midfield. Yeah, I'm a forward. <laughs> so a nice easy switch up but yeah yeah i was i was always very much the number 10 and it kind of that that worked for me perfectly so sure. 
Yeah. So you said you covered a lot of other areas as well. Where else? Where else did you sort of fill in? I tried. Um, I tried being in defence uh, or sort of around that sort of area. But yeah. I, I, you know, I had a few sending offs in defence because I didn't like people getting past me. Right. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I cool. slowed them down a lot. Yeah. Man and ball. Man, ball, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It would. I, I took a ball, whether it was the one on the ground or not. I don't know. But... <laughs> You know. mild, mild castrations going on on a Sunday morning pitches. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Love it. Okay, cool. Mm. So, then, number four. If you yeah. could have done something that would have enhanced your football ability, right? what would it have been? Um, or made more of? Maybe have a slightly better mindset. Um, okay. You know? Uh, sort of paid a bit more attention. I was good at what I did back then. Yeah. Because, um, you know, when, when I left school, uh, I was I thinking I really mm -hmm. like football because um, I ended up in a boarding school because I was a little bit of a twit in yep. mainstream okay. education. Um, and, you know, we were, we were coached on occasion by players from Huddersfield and or ex-players from Huddersfield and that. And I was writing letters to clubs and all, all over, up and down, everyone. And one in particular I wrote to uh, when Brian Little was in charge at Leicester. Yes, yeah. Um, and I actually got a letter back from him, signed by him, um, saying that they would uh, consider having a look at some point. And um, I ended up, uh, sat at home one night, and the phone rang, and my mum said, it's for you. He had phoned me. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I said, well, I'm, I'm just recovering from a bit of a knock, and we'll get to that in a second, but um, it was nasty. Uh, he said, uh, is there anywhere you can stay in or around Leicester? And I said, well, most of my dad's side of the family are down there. Yeah. He said, well sort something out in a few weeks and we'll, we'll have a look at you. And I ended up going down and trying out with them and that, but then the injury that I'd recently sustained sort of uh, flared up again and it finished me, which I was absolutely gutted about because I was doing really well down there, having the proper coaching and that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was starting to flourish. Uh, he understood the position I like to play in and he let me do it. And, you know, being coached by the likes of... Um, his name uh tom is it tommy walsh at leicester back then the striker i think yeah yeah maybe yes yeah steve, steve um, walsh no steve, steve walsh. walsh that was yeah. him steve walsh tommy wright when he was tommy at leicester wright. tommy wright yeah tommy wright steve walsh and that when they were there and you know it, it was an experience but the injury finished me so yeah i'm now built for darts <laughs> Fair enough. As seen just over the shoulder. <laughs> the dartboard. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the yeah. injury then, Bob? What was the injury? Well, um, about six weeks before I left school, six or seven weeks before I left, we uh, the school leavers had a friendly against the local fire brigade. Right. And, uh, you know, it, the weather was decent on the day but it had been raining just before and it was drying out. So the pitch was really sticky. Yeah. Um, 
and as I was playing rather well, uh, I stomped my foot down to do a, a turn to get around one of the defenders, and my foot got stuck. And one of the other players comes sliding straight in, two foot yeah. straight into my right knee. Yeah. Um, my knee bent in a way it wasn't supposed to bend. Yeah. And that took me out for a considerable length of time, and it hurt. It stung a lot. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Well, yeah, yeah. Sticky pitches and things like that are never good. The, the amount of the wet, slippery pitch I can deal with. Hard mm. ground I can deal with. I don't mind landing on hard ground, but when it's a bit sticky, that's just it. it all the wet, goes. slippery pitch I used to love when I played rugby because you could slide under everybody and score. But, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, as far as the football goes, it was. Um, yeah, I, I learned a few new words. Uh, shortly after that incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Ooh. Okay, so number five, the big five. What the big five? What five attributes do you feel are key to make the ideal modern day footballer? It depends what position they're playing in now, in my opinion, because I've seen a lot of your in the boxes um, that you've done. Yeah. Um, and I would say that those five attributes would depend entirely on the position. Yeah. So I would now, say. As far so... as the central attacking midfield, you know, if we, were, if we were going with the position that I played in, composure yeah. would have to be one of them. Yeah. 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 Um, um, I don't know. Is like a. Your awareness, your situational awareness of what's going on around you. Yeah, yeah. So you that could be, be aware your, of that. Uh, would that be positioning or no? It actually, wouldn't just be your awareness, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, your awareness, your ability your, your, to be tactic, tactical awareness. That's yeah. what it would be. Yeah, cool. Tactical awareness. Um, the other one. See, I'm broken. I'm old. Um, <laughs> um, with the role I played, uh, uh, pace of pace would be key. Okay. I would have thought. Yeah. Cool. Um, your accuracy in in all areas, i.e., passing, you know, heading the ball, shooting, obviously, is key as well. But your yeah, accuracy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, See, I like I like the accuracy one because I think. And this is one that came up on the in the boxes with before where someone had picked shooting and passing as two separate things. And I was like, but if you can kick a ball accurately, you should be able to do that whether you're shooting or passing. It shouldn't make any difference. Yeah, you're kicking a ball accurately. If you can if you can pick a pass and hit it directly to someone's feet and they're 20 meters away from you, Mm. why can you not directly kick that ball into the bottom corner? Absolutely right, yeah. So, you know, yeah, so I completely agree with that. And I think, yeah, just in general, the accuracy covers covers it nicely. Uh, Yeah, it does. How many is that? Four. Four, yes. Right. Uh, Number five. Um, (laughs) um, And I I think, how can we leave this one out? For the position, stamina. Stamina, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. So you got your you got your pace, you got your stamina, you got your awareness, composure, and the fifth one. Yeah, yeah, your stamina, composure, tactical awareness, pace, accuracy, and accuracy. 
Yes. I like that. I like that. But well, I think, yeah. do you know what? Even, even though you said initially we'll look at it for the position you played, I yeah. would say now those five are five of the key ones that you would need for anywhere on the pitch. Yeah. As a striker, if you're going to make those runs in behind, you need to be able to keep making those runs in behind. So you need the stamina. You still need the accuracy. Yeah. You need to know where the ball's coming from and who's picking you up. And you need the composure because if you get in front of goal and you haven't got composure, yeah. well, this exercise, you kind of shank it Absolutely. every time. And also at the back, you know, nowadays the way football's played, the ball comes out from the back. So the defenders need to be composed. They need to know what they're doing before it comes to them. And oh. I was going to say one of the um, one of the players that would stand out that uh, had good composure and awareness would be your Dutch number eight when he played in the Premier League. Yeah. The oh God, Bergkamp. yeah, Bergkamp. Yeah, when he never scored that tassel. ridiculous goal when he flicked it up and spun round the defender. I mean, how the hell did he do that? I've watched yeah. the replay of that so many times. It's like, <laughs> well, well, just to throw that when we started down the local this time last year. In its yeah. original form, we done best ever Premier League goal, and Bergkamp's mm. didn't. That one didn't win it. What? Best ever Premier League goal? Wow. Um, we had ooh. Matt Letizia against Liverpool. Yeah. As the ball comes in and the and it's drilled at him, and his first touch controls it. The next one flicks it over one defender. He then flips it. over the next and then side foots it into the bottom corner. Um, an absolute peach. And the uh, the reason it won instead of the Burkamp one was because throughout the whole move, I think yeah. Letitia looked as though he had full control over the ball. He knew what was happening at every moment. There's yeah. a moment with that Burkamp one where he flicks the ball and he's not too sure where it's gone mm. he's tried to do it but he looks around to see where the ball has gone first and mm. for that i i know he knew he he knew what he was trying to do yeah he didn't look convinced that he was going to pull it off Letitia at no point ever looked in doubt mm. and you know when we talk about number 10s and those sorts of players matt Letitia, oh good god no stamina, no pace, but everything else. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah. But, yeah, when you say the composure side of things, Burkamp, yeah, never looked flustered. Always uh, looked there, there were plenty of uh, players floating around that had good composure in the sort of, again, that era, the great era, yeah. the early to mid-90s, you know, that there was plenty of them floating around. That, yeah. You know, Ber Burkamp for me was brilliant. I mean, when he, was it that goal he scored at the World Cup against Argentina? I yes. mean, that, that was obscene. Yeah. It, it was a quality finish. And everybody and said... Michael Owen at France 98 against Argentina, that was composure. Yes. yeah, And his awareness he, to get round them. And at 18, you know, he just yeah. run half the length of the pitch to have the composure mm. to finish it like that as well. But it's weird as well, the Burkamp one against Argentina, because I remember them saying at the time, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime goal. And then yeah. he scored an almost identical goal against Leicester mm. in the Premier League, where the ball came over and he pulled it down, flicked it over the guy, and side footed it past the keeper on the volley. My my um, my daughter was uh, very very good at football. She was developing quickly. Yeah. Um, she had a bit of an accident, and then she started to recover. She never played football again, right? But um, 
she was told at uh, I think when she was ten um, that if she carried on the way she was going, I mean she was on the uh, youth setup at Sligo Rovers, so it, it okay, was a yeah. hell of a drive. It was a hell of a drive to get her up there yeah. from where she was living at the time, and uh, yeah, it, she she was told at ten that if she kept going the way she was. That there'd be no problem with her being in the uh, Irish women's setup and, and the youngsters as well. Yeah, I mean she was that good, and she was into Irish dancing as well. So it was like watching a ten-year-old Ronaldo, but a girl. The, the <laughs> yeah. footwork she had was incredible. Yeah, you know it's something I'll always remember. Yeah, sure. I keep I keep trying to get my little one to uh, get more involved in football and enjoy it more. She's got her football boots. She's got a, a she's got a severe shirt and things like this, and she loves all oh, of nice. that. But just just getting her to do it and take a little bit more notice is hard. But I'm looking at it from a selfish point of view because I work out that by the time in 10 years' time, the professional women's game is going to be full of money. And, you know, I, don't, I, can, I can jack everything in and live off her. <laughs> I, I, wish I, I wish there was more women's football on TV. Because, I mean, I, I have one of them um, fire sticks that's got all the channels and stuff. Yeah. But, but you never seem to find much women's football. And I'd sit and watch it because some of them is really good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... It'd be interesting to see it. I wonder who would be the first million-pound women's player. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think the the interesting thing is is seeing the nations that in men's football aren't deemed as anything special, but in women's football are fantastic. You still China. have China, Denmark, Sweden. Yeah. They're they're all very bang all average teams. One football in memory before you have to wrap things yes. up for me. Um, it was only a year or two back when, maybe a couple of years, I, I was bored one day. I had nothing to do. So I went to see England women play Sweden in Rotherham. Yes. And um, the the Sweden won 2-0. And I was rather attracted to the Swedish number 10. She was just wow. But the quality <laughs> of football on display that day was incredible. Yes. Really, Sweden. really good. The Swedish team is fantastic, and they've had they've had some absolute worldy players go yeah. through there as well. They so, should consider so. careers as models after they finish playing football as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a hard one because I think the problem is a lot of them do. I know, um, is it uh, the American uh, player uh, Alex Morgan done a yes. load of and stuff, and and people you get people then start to question, oh, well, you know, actually they're only playing football to further a career in modelling. But I seem to remember loads of male footballers doing modelling and, you know, some of them selling their soul to the likes of Top Man and things like that mm. back in the 90s and doing all of that sort of thing. And no one even batted an eyelid. It just... David it, Ginola. David Ginola. I remember, I remember it was half the Leeds team modelling for Top Man. David Batty... Gary Speed and a few others in amongst it, and you just nobody batted an eyelid. But now it's oh, oh she's she's not interested in the football. She's only after a modelling quid. No, no, it's an additional thing. People approach her because of mm. who she is. Ah, oh, winds me up, Bob. Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle back in the day though, in the nineties as well. Yes, Aspria, yeah. Ginola. Yeah. Oh, what a what a team. The beat what Barcelona. I remember watching that game actually. Tino Aspria with a hat trick. Yes. What a player. What a player. Bob, it has been an absolute pleasure to get you on the show. 
Um, no, thank guys, you very much for having me. If you don't already, Bob does stream uh, on Twitch and uh, on Facebook as well. I'm guessing you do some of your stuff. Is it? I've tried, I've, uh, like you said the other day, I've tried looking at that and um, it's a bit too fiddly at the moment. Um, right. So I'm sticking with Twitch, I think. Fair enough then. Bob streams on Twitch. That makes life easier for me because his logo is underneath him right now, uh, or his tag, sorry. Go check him out. Drop him a follow. Right there. Right there. Go follow him. Bob, as I say, it has been a pleasure, and we will catch up with you very soon. In the meantime, no, we'll go back to me in real-time, live time. Cheers. Badgie, thank you very much. I'll see you again.